All right, Rabosai, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking our sponsors. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Sivan. Baruch Mer and Rina Dubin for dedicating all the Shi'urim and Joshua's this month. In the Schusabarafushlima for their niece, Chavit Sipora, Bas Chayam Malka. To thank Shmuli and Libadinovitz for dedicating the Shi'urim and Joshua's this month. In the of an Aliyah for the Nisham of Shmuli's father, Harav Peres Avram, Ben Harav Binyamin Moshe. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Adam and Leslie Rosen for Rafur Shlima for Esther Bas Sara. Our day of learning sponsors, Alan and Sherry Steinmetz, in commemoration of the art site of Alan's mother, Chaya Bas Reb Meir Zichron Levracha, and Stella Kovacs in loving memory of her father, Eliezer Ben Shalom Zichrona Livracha. We hope that in the merit of our Tamadora, all of the Neshama Slav and Aliyah, the families in Nechama, and all of those who require a Rafua should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. But we'll say today's daf is Kuf Aleph 101. We have a lot to do today, really some great Gemara. We are picking up on Kuf Amin Bey's 100B, and we are picking up Ve'ela Begrusha, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 17 lines up from the bottom. So remember again, very quickly, we learned in yesterday's daf, the Gemara started with the interesting case of Shmuel, where you had a group of 10 Kohanim, one of them separated from the group and impregnated a woman. They have a child. They have a child. So Shmuel said, the halacha is that child is a shtuki. Child is a shtuki. I says the Gemara, child is a shtuki. We know with absolute certainty that what? We don't know who the father is, but one thing we do know, which is the father is a coin. As such, why is the kid a shtuki? So Shmuel introduced to us this idea of the concept, v'haisalo ulazar'o acharov. That when it comes to kahuna, it's not simply enough to go ahead and know in a general sense that the father was a Kohen, but rather one must know exactly who their father is. So the Gemara challenged that idea, and the Gemara wanted to suggest that the only time this is true is in a case of znus. But in a case of nisuin, in a case of actual marriage, even if there's some level of paternal ambiguity, as long as we know for sure that Whoever the father is, he's a Kohen, that would be good enough. So so the Gemara, the Gemara is continuing. So the Gemara is trying to challenge this from the Mishnah. So the Gemara is, it must be that the case of the Mishnah that spoke about the two fathers who are Kohanim, it must be that that is talking about a case of Grusha. So what does it mean ultimately, again, when we say, after her husband, referring to the first husband, Achar get Baila, referring to the fact that the first husband divorced her. I says, if that's the case, who ain't lohem, the ain't lo. So I'll say, here's the problem. Here's the problem. So remember again, the Gemara is talking about over here, in this situation, the last iteration of the Mishnah, Hayushnehem Kohanim. They were both Kohanim. So remember again, now the Gemara is trying to understand, okay, you're talking to me now about a case where she was divorced from husband number one. So let's analyze how this exactly works. Remember, what did this say for the end of the Mishnah say? Who ain metame lahem, vehem ain metamin lo. So the Mishnah said, the son, remember again, I will say, we don't know the son, this is yesterday's Mishnah, is the son a nine-month baby from husband number one? Is he a seventh-month baby from husband number two? So now we're going with the case where they are both Kohanim. So the Mishnah says, he, the son, cannot become Tomei to either of the, to either of the husbands, right? Vehem, enam and tamen lo. They can't become Tomei to him. So what's the case? Bishlama in metamen lo luchumra. So I understand why neither of the fathers can be tummy for the son because they may not be a son, right? So in other words, they're both Kohanim and they can't become tummy for this boy, for this son, because no one knows who the father is. Elohu ain't metame lohem, am I? But why can't he become tummy for them? I will say, watch this. After all, So I understand why he can't become tummy for the second, for the second father for the second husband, but he should be able to become Tamei for the first husband for the simple reason. So ultimately, again, if he is the son of the first father, of the first husband, he should be able to become Tamei. And by the way, if he's the son of the second husband, he also should be able to become Tamei for the first husband. Why? 
Because they both say, listen to this. If it's a case of Grusha, if it's a case of Grusha, that means second husband who's a Kohen married a Grusha. If second husband who's a Kohen married a Grusha, then what's the status of the child? A Chalal. A Chalal doesn't have an Isra So therefore, again, it can't be talking about a case of Grusha. Elalav, Biznus. Rather, it must be talking about a case of Znus. Umay Achar Baila. So what does it mean ultimately again, Achar Baila? Achar Boala. It means after the man with whom she committed znos. The katani seifa, olah b'mishmar shalzeh v'shalzeh. See, so therefore the Mishnah must be talking about a case, ultimately of znos. And therefore, again, despite the fact that it's a case of znos, what does it say? If both husbands, if both men, if both men were kohanim and were from the same mishmar, then what's the halacha? This boy has the ability to go ahead and join the mishmar. So what do you see from here? Tiyuf to the Shmuel. So Rabbi say, what do you see from here? You see from here that halacha even if you don't know who the child's father is, but you know with absolute certainty that what? That the child's father is a Kohen. He, a child has the ability to operate as a Kohen. So we reject the drasha of zar'o acharov. We reject that drasha. So I will say, this is incredibly important. So right now, what, we're, what, what, we've, what, what we've been operating with is we had a drasha of Shmuel. Shmuel says zar'o acharov means what? In order to be a coin, it is not enough to know that your father is a coin. What do you have to know? What do you have to know? Specifically, who your father is. The Yamara feels it has just disproved that notion that all you need to be a Kohen is to know your father is a Kohen, even if you don't know exactly who your father is. Incredible. So the Yamara goes right there. Amram Shmaya, Mima Enes. maybe not. Maybe the case is talking about a case of Mima Enes. We'll also remember again, what's the case of Mion? The case of Mion is a situation where Halacha a girl was married off by her mother or her brother. By her mother or her brother, right? And therefore, halacha lamaisa, again, that is a kiddushin drabanon, kiddushin drabanon. And because it's kiddushin drabanon, before she goes ahead and she becomes an adult, she has the ability to refuse the marriage. And simple refusal results in dissolution of the marriage. So says the Gemara, so mima enes, mikayalda. So maybe not, in other words, the Gemara is just trying to suggest maybe the Mishnah is not a case of znus. The Mishnah is a real case of marriage. So, but I understand, with the Mima Enes, she couldn't have children. But the Gemara says, There are three women who are permitted to use a moch. I will say, a moch, a moch, literally, is, is a form of birth control, right? Again, it was a wad of material that was there to soak up the zera. So three women have the, have the, have the right to use birth control. Who are they? Kitana Meuberes Umeinika. So a kitana, a minor, Meuberes, a woman who is already pregnant, and a menika, a woman who is nursing. So kitana, what are we worried about with a kitana? Shemitis Aber Vetamos. We're worried about a kitana, that if a kitana becomes pregnant, she could die. Meuberes, a woman who is already pregnant. Shematasa Obra Sandal. I will say again, it's interesting that the Gemara had this concern, reflecting again, reflecting their medical knowledge, that a pregnant woman could become pregnant again and ultimately again cause cause the cause harm to the fetus. Cause harm to the fetus. So the Gimar to, to the uh, to the previous fetus, to the first fetus. Right? A nursing mother, lest she go ahead and become pregnant. And again, if she becomes pregnant, that could diminish her milk supply, putting her child in peril. What's a kitana? Mibas achat asrei shana viom echad. What's a kitana? Kitana is from 11 years old in one day, ultimately again to 12 years old in one day. So the Gemara says, Pachos Mikan, younger than this, or Yesra Mikan, or older than this. Mishameshas Kedaka Vaholechas Derevis, Rabbi Mary. Mary says, younger than this age, she can't become pregnant at all. All right? Older than this age, her body could withstand pregnancy. Therefore, she doesn't have the rishos to go ahead and use birth control. say, so this is an interesting position. say any of these women, birth control is usher. One is not permitted to use birth control. And ultimately, again, Hakadosh Baruch Hu will have compassion upon these women. The pasuk of Shomer Pesayim Hashem means Hashem watches over the simple people, which the Gemara often quotes as the concept 
to engage, so say, there are certain activities of daily life that by definition have a level of danger associated with them. But yet we don't refrain from engaging in them because we assume that because they are activities of daily living and Kaddish Baruch who watches over us. So I say, you know, just as an extreme example, how is one permitted to drive? After all, again, getting, getting in a car, right? Getting in a car has an inherent level of danger associated with it. And we are told, that one is supposed to watch over their life. So how could you drive? There's a concept of Shomer Pesayim Hashem, which is why I will say, I'll just point out certain things that have an elevated level of danger, one is not supposed to do. Like, I don't know that it's Pashat that one is supposed to go skydiving. Right? That, in other words, that, that, that to go ahead and just jump out of an airplane for the sake, I, I don't know what the risk is, but I would assume there must be some level of risk. Right? So if you think it's very important in general, one is not permitted halachically to engage in certain forms of certain activities that carry a heightened risk with them. But certain things that are activities of daily living, although they carry a risk, they fall under the umbrella of Shomer Pesayim Hashem. So the Chachamim say, getting pregnant, having children, of course, is fraught with risk, but it's, it's, it's everyday risk. And therefore, again, we see Shomer Pesayim Hashem. It's a fascinating sugi in general, not for now, but quite fascinating. So the Gemara says, so I, how could this come up? You could come up with this in the case of Kiddush Eitos, a mis- case of mistaken Kiddushin. So the Gemara says, The Pasik over here is talking about a woman, a woman, a married woman, who has an extramarital affair. So the Haloch is the Torah, says, She was not coerced. She was not coerced. Obviously, if a married woman was coerced, she remains permitted to her husband, leaving aside a case of a coin. But if a woman was coerced, then she remains permitted to her husband. But there's another case of a woman who, even though she wasn't, she wasn't coerced, but she had relations with another man, still remains permitted to her husband. And who is that? This refers to a woman who engaged in Kiddushetos. So you can have a variety of cases of Kiddushetos. A very simple example, a woman goes, we'll say paradigmatic example, which actually is, is the subject of much halachic literature. A woman marries a man, and then she finds out she has a condition. She, he has a condition, sorry, right? Let's say, let's say again, he, she, Ramosha discusses a case like this. He, she finds out that he has a terminal illness, that he has a severe mental health issue, and he did not disclose. He did not disclose. That could be grounds for Kiddushet House. She could say, had I known that you had this condition, I would not have married you. And actually what that is, what that is grounds for, like, like any other fraudulent transaction is voidable. No different than if I was buying a car from you, I thought I was buying, uh, I thought I was buying a Cadillac. And it turns out that you, that you sold me a Yugo. I don't know what they make. Do they make Yugos anymore? I don't think so, right? There was a, right? Okay, anyway, right? So, so you, right, you told me, so, so again, that, that, that's mekachtos. That's mekachtos. And I can go ahead and ultimately void the transaction based on that. So the Gemara says, Shafilu benam murkav al-ksifa mema'enes v'alachazal. Because we'll say in that kind of case, even if halacha l'maysa, even if halacha l'maysa, She's holding her son. In other words, that she's holding the physical proof of the fact that she was married to this man. Nevertheless, halacha lemaisa, the marriage is voidable. Good. So we'll say, so that's how the Gemara explains the case. Let me show you the Rambam. Because we'll say, the truth is, what's fascinating about this case is, what about, what we're focused on over here is the statement of Shmuel. So remember again, Shmuel, sorry, let me just find the Rambam. Uh, uh, um... Good. So the Rambam Hilchos Isure Bia is Isure Bia Perek Chaf Perek Chaf Perek Chaf Halacha Chaf. If I can get it quickly, then fine. So I will say, listen to the case. Keitzad Asara Kohanim Shapirish Echamana Bal Sharia Vlad Cohen. So the Rambam indeed paskins like Shmuel. 
like Shmuel. Namely, that halacha lemaisa, in order to be a Kohen, it is not enough to know that your father is a Kohen. Rather, what do you need? What do you need? You need to know who your father is. That is based on the drasha of, based on the drasha of Ahisalo Ulazaro Acharov. There must be yichos that is direct from the father. So we'll say very important halacha. However, the Rambam does accept the qualification, which is, when is this true? In a case of znos. In a case of marriage, like the case of our Mishnah, ultimately, again, halacha the boy would have the din of a Kohen. Because we're about to say, again, over here, once again, we know it's one of the two husbands. One of them is a Kohen, but halacha lamaisa, we're just not sure which one exactly is his father. But because this occurred in a marital context, the boy's yichos will be intact. Obviously, which mishmar he's a part of is going to be subject to some level of dispute. So we accept, so the Ramam accepts the position of Shmuel halacha lamaisa. Quite fascinating. Type of kufalif. Hayushkem kohanim. So tan rabbanon, so we'll say, we learned in the Raisa, hikaza, the chazer vehikaza, kilalza, the chazer vehikilalza, or kilalshnem vehasacha. So we'll listen to this. Now we're going to talk about the fact. So now we have our case in Mishnah, where we have a boy who we know is the son of one of these two men. We just don't know what. We just don't know what. Which one? Which one? So we've already established that for kahuna purposes, as long as everything is taking place in the marital context, this young man will be a Kohen, will be a Kohen, which Mishmar he's a part of is a problem. We also saw now we passed like Shmuel, that if you have parental ambiguity in a case of Znus, in that case, he won't be a Kohen. He'll be a Shtuki. He'll be a Shtuki. What about other ramifications of dealing with parents? He goes there. Let's say, both say, so remember again, we've got two men in question over here, Ruvain and Shimon. Both were married to Rachel. Both were married to Rachel. Rachel married Shimon without waiting the requisite three months after, let's say, divorcing Ruvain. Well, divorcing is a bad example because Kahuna, but being widowed from Ruvain, well, let's do divorcing for now, leaving aside the Kahuna. So what happens? They have a kid. The kid is Yehuda. The kid is Yehuda. Yehuda comes along. He goes there. He hits Ruvain and then he goes there and hits Shimon. He curses Ruvain and then subsequently curses Shimon. So remember again, you're not allowed to hit your father. You're not allowed to curse your father. What's the penalty for hitting or cursing your father? Right? Misa. Misa. So we'll say in this case, so Yehuda went ahead and cursed both of, both of these men, hit both of these men. Right? Or, or what happened? Or, or Shneim Babas, I'm sorry, Kila Kila Sorry, I lost the place. Hikazeh v'chazav hikazeh. Kilalzeh v'chazav hikilalzeh. Kilal shneim b'basachos. Hikaz shneim b'basachos. Or you hit both of them, right? Yehuda hit both of them at the same time. Or curse both of them at the same time. Chayiv. Ultimately, again, I'm about saying all of these cases, in all of these cases, you're chayiv. Take a look at the top, Rashi. Chayiv. Shari echad mehem aviv. Because I'm say, why are you chayiv? Why are you chayiv? Why are you chayiv? Because you for sure hit your father or cursed your father. I, which one? I don't know which one, but one of them is your father. Now Rashi says, Then I will say, in general, in order to be liable for something, you need hasra, you need a warning. Now, this first opinion, the Chachamim hold, that what we call hasra's safek. Hasra's safek means non-definitive warning, which means what I was saying, because remember, think about this in just a moment. Imagine the situation. You've got Reuven and Shimon standing here, and Yehuda is here as well. So Yehuda is the kid, Reuven and Shimon are the two husbands. Reuven is just, I'm sorry, Yehuda is about to hit both of these men, right? So there are Edom there. And what do the Edom say? Yehuda, don't do that. Why don't you do that? Why not? Because one of these men is your father, and you will be chayiv. I will say that is a non definitive hasra. That's called hasra suffolk. The Chachamim hold, hasra suffolk works. On the other hand, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, "Bebasachas chayiv, bezeachazet pater." Rabbi Huda, on the other hand, holds is if you hit both of them at the same time, or if you curse both of them at the same time, you'll be chayiv. You'll be chayiv. Why Rabbi say? Because hitting them at the same time, ultimately, again, because that's a hasra'as vaday. It's ambidextrous, right? Right. That's a hasra'as vaday. Because then you're getting definitive hasra. Don't hit Ruvain. Don't hit Shimon because they are your father, right? You could say that. In other words, I could warn for two things simultaneously. So therefore, halacha lamaisa, there would be liability in that case. However, however, according to Rabbi Yehuda, according to Rabbi Yehuda, 
potter. But if you were to hit them one after the other, ultimately, again, you'd be potter. I'll say, why would you be potter? Because that's what's called hasra'as safik. Hasra'as safik, non-definitive hasra. I vatanya bihudu omer potter, sorry, vatanya bihudu omer potter babasachos. I but Rabbi, we have in the Bryce that Rabbi Huda holds that Allah Alamaisi, your potter, even if you hit them both or curse them both at the same time. So trade Tanayali with Rabbi Huda. There are two Tanayali according to Rabbi Huda, two different versions of the position of Rabbi Huda. So the Gemara says, my time a demand the potter. So I will say, what is the logic, right? What is the logic of the one who holds that your potter, even Babasachos? So I will say, this would be interesting. So the Bryce introduces us to this idea that even if you hit both men at the same time, or curse both men at the same time that you would be potter. Now, what's the logic in that, right? Why would you, so I I understand why if you hit them one after the other, curse them one after the other, why you would be potter. That, that part I understand, because Allah said that's hasra'as safik. But why would you be potter ultimately for what? For hitting them or cursing them at the same time? Because at the same time, that's hasra'as vadai. So why would you be potter? To which the words, I'm going to be so I'll say it says bracha. Now in this case, bracha doesn't mean a blessing. Bracha is a euphemistic term for a curse. It says cursing. It says cursing which is a reference to cursing your parents, and it says cursing So just like I will say in the case of in the case of cursing above, when it's talking about Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the case of cursing Hashem is cursing Hashem and Hashem alone. There's no one else included in that curse. So to in cursing your parents, one is only biblically liable for cursing their parent when? When, you're, when there's no shutfus. In other words, when you're cursing one person. One person. So I will say, so therefore, again, just like a cursing of the Shbaruch Chas Vishalom is just cursing Hashem and Hashem alone, so to the case of where there's biblical liability for cursing one's parent, it's only cursing the parent alone, without anyone else. Furthermore, Ve'iskish Hakal And in general, we have a Hekish, we compare hitting to cursing. So therefore, I will say, just like cursing can only be one parent, therefore, again, hitting is only one parent, and therefore, this opinion holds that even when you're hitting both fathers at the same time, cursing both fathers at the same time, there'll be no biblical liability for that joint act. Good, fascinating, Machlokes. So it says, So I say, so remember again, remember again, so the, we, we, saw, we saw in this last part, this last part, that if, if the two fathers, right, Reuven and Shimon, if they're both Kohanim, both Kohanim, and what? Both from the same Mishmar, both from the same Mishnar, Mishmar. So the Mishnah said, so what's the halacha? So Ola be Mishmaro Shalzeh ve Shalzeh ve'enocholik. So Ola, the son, Yehuda, could go up and be part of the Mishmar. Because remember again, we know that Allah is a Kohen, because they're both Kohanim. We know that he, he, right, he's part of the same Mishmar. Why? Why? Because both fathers, Reuben and Shimon, are from the same Mishmar. To which the Gemara said, but however, here's what's interesting. The Mishnah said, he does not get a portion, he does not get a portion from that Mishmar. He doesn't get a portion. So says the Gemara, I don't understand. If he does not get a portion, so remember again, Mishmar is made up of multiple Bate Avos, multiple families, right? Each family serves in the Mikdash in a different day, a different week. So the Mishmar gets a week, and each base Av gets a different day of that week. So the Mishnah says that when Reuben and Shimon are both Kohanim and part of the same Mishmar, the kid Yehuda goes and serves with that Mishmar. But he does not get a portion. Portion means he doesn't get any sacrificial meat and he doesn't get to divide up into the hides. Now, why not? Why not? Technically speaking, because remember, as we're going to see, each base Av could say, you're not part of us. You're not part of us. So therefore, he doesn't have a right. So the Gemara says, well, if he's not getting meat and he's not getting hides, Lama Ola, then what's the point of going up and being part of the Mishmar? So I'll say this is so beautiful. So the Gemara says, Lama Ola, so Lama Ola Ha'amar Ba'ina Dine Avid Mitzvah. What do you mean, why is he going up? Right? Going up is not about getting meat and getting hides. What is going up about? Doing the mitzvah of serving in the base Hamikdash. I will say, by the way, I just want to point out what a profound Gemara. 
What a profound Gemara. You see, the Havamina is the only things we do in life are the things that what? We get something tangible out of. What's in it for me? And if there's nothing in it for me, then why would I do it? Kamash Malan, that greatness in life comes from doing things even without a tangible result. The both sides, like the Gemara is incredulous about this Havamina. Gemara says, why should he go up? He's not getting anything. Why should he go up? Because serving in the Beis HaMikdash is a mitzvah. Yeah, even if you don't walk away with a brand new leather jacket, right? And even if you don't get some extra stakes, at the end of the day, the ability to serve even without a tangible benefit is an incredible schos. And I will say, again, so often in life, we are programmed to think about, we do things, if you could show me what's in it for me, show me what the benefit is. But if there's no tangible take-home benefit, I'm not in. The truth is, that is a fine approach in certain areas in life. Where it doesn't work is in one's ruchnias. Because ruchnias is filled with things that do not necessarily have a tangible, realizable benefit. But ultimately, again, they're still beautiful. It's still meaningful and it's still purposeful. In our ruchnias, we have to program ourselves to do things because they are good, because they are right, because they are the Ratzon Hashem, even if there is no tangible what's in it for me. So the Gemara says, Rather, I will say, what the Gemara is pointing out over here is, it doesn't say Allah, rather it says Ola. Ola makes it sound like we make Yehuda go up to the Mekdash. Yeah, interestingly enough, we do make Yehuda go up. Why do we make Why do we make Yehuda go up? Because we'll say if Yehuda doesn't go up, it looks like he's a halal. And if it looks like he's a halal, then ultimately again that reflects poorly on these Kohanic families. So it's quite fascinating. So even if Yehuda doesn't want to go up because he says to himself, hey, what's in it for me, right? He says, why should I go up? I get no meat, I get no hides, why should I go? We make him go. We make him go in order to preserve the familial integrity of Ruvain and Shimon's families. So remember again, if Ruvain and Shimon are part of two different Mishmaros, then we don't make Yehuda go, why not? Tzigimara says, Because we'll say, if they're, two, if they're part of two different Mishmoros, then at the end of the day, we don't make Yehuda go up because he's not going to be able to serve. Why not? Because this Mishmar will say, you're not part of us. This Mishmar will say, not part of us. So we'll say, but the same thing can happen in one Mishmar, because as I just said before, even if he shows up for one Mishmar, what could happen? One Mishmar is still made up of multiple Bate Avos, multiple families. So he could show up, and what's going to happen? One base Av is going to say, Yehuda, no, nah, no, nah, you're not part of our family. And ultimately, again, they're gonna, the other one's going to say, Yehuda, you're not part of our family. So I will say, what is interesting to note is as follows. There is a case where Yehuda could go up and not only serve, but ultimately what? Even take a chilek. See, I will say, here's what happens. If Reuben and Shemin are both Kohanim, but they're part of two Mishmoros, so does Yehuda, does the son go up to the base of Mikdash? No. No, because no one's going to let him serve. If he's part of the same Mishmar, can he go up to the base of Mikdash? Yes, but what, can, what, what, what doesn't happen? He doesn't get a chilek. He, he, he doesn't get meat or hides. However, interestingly enough, if Yehuda, Ruben, and Shimon are part of the same Mishmar and part of the same base Av, in that case, Yehuda can go up to the Mikdash, can serve, and what? And what? Can take a chilek. He can take a chilek. Why can he take a chilek? Because even though we don't know exactly who his father is, we know that both of his potential fathers are both Kohanim, both part of the same Mishmar, and both part of the same Beisav. I will, say, I will tell you, there's something, there's something profoundly tragic in this Gemara as well, which is you see what human nature is. Human nature is we reject people who are not like us. Right? I will say you would think to yourself, these are the Kohanim, these are the Kohanim, B'nai Aaron, right? Aaron, who's Aaron? Oy Vesabrios, right? Makarvan Latora. Oh, Aaron loves everyone. So a guy shows up, we're not sure about his paternity, not which base ab. 
They're going to welcome him. They're going to invite him for a Shabbos meal. It's going to be so beautiful. They're going to have a kumzit. It's going to be here, eat this, eat this, eat this. The Gemara says, no, what happens when he shows up in the basement? What happens? What happens? You're not part of us. See, I said, because human nature is that we tend to reject people who are not like us. Sometimes we do it outright. Sometimes we do it in a very nuanced way. And it's true if you're a Kohen, and it's true if you're a Levi, and it's true if you're a Yisrael. And I'll say it's important. It's important to know human nature is such that we tend to surround ourselves with people who are just like us and push away people who aren't. Which is, we know that that's the tendency. And we know that that is the behavioral default. How hard do we have to work against that? Hadron Allah, no sinal anus. I will say, mazel tov, mazel tov, mazel tov. I will say, very exciting. Now we're going to get into some interesting mechanical halachas of chalitza. Really interesting. Mitzvah's chalitza. I'm telling you, that's a, that was a definitive statement. This is very interesting. Says the Mishnah, Mitzvah's chalitza, Bishlosha dayonin. The Mitzvah of chalitza is with three dayonin, three judges. And I will say, even if they're not actual judges, they're just three regular guys. Essentially, you need a basin of three for chalitza. So we're going to get into the halachas of shoes, different types of shoes. If you did chalitza, I will say, remember again, just for our purposes, the process of chalitza, bigadol, we'll talk about it, but in a general sense, is the yivama, the woman goes over to the brother-in-law, removes her right shoe and spits. We're going to discuss where exactly she is spitting. Right? But Lamai says she spits. That, that's the process of Chalitza. All of this happens, and there are psukim that are said as well. This, all of this happens in the presence of a Beisdin. So the Mishnah is now saying, so, so fact number one, I need, three, I need a Beisdin, three people. But interestingly enough, they don't have to be great Talmudi They could be a Yotos, regular people. Regular people. Next, you could use a Minal. Rabbi say a minal is a shoe. Rashi says, shel or rach, a soft leather shoe, like ours, Rashi says. Ban pila, chalitza sapsula. We'll say, a pila is a sock. If you use a sock, chalitza doesn't work. Right? Besandal, shiyishla ekev, if you use a sandal that has a heel, kosher, ultimately it works. Vishainlo ekev, but if you use a sandal that doesn't have a heel, Ultimately, again, it's puzzle. I will say, Minahar Kuva Ulamata Chalitza Kshera. Very interesting case. Let's say the brother-in-law, the Yavam, is an amputee. So what he has is, he has like a prosthetic, right? And it's a below-the-knee prosthetic. So the halacha is in that kind of case. So now you're taking off the shoe from the prosthetic, or the prosthetic itself, we'll discuss. Ultimately, again, Kshera. That works. Minahar Kuva Ulamala Chalitza Psula. But I will say, ultimately, again... If he's, if he's an amputee above the knee, so the prosthetic essentially is attached to the thigh, then halacha lamaisa the chalitza is psula. Then I will say, we're, we're going to see ultimately again what that means, puzzle, right? We're going to see what that essentially means is that if he's, if he's an above the knee amputee, essentially there's no chalitza. Okay, if you look at Rashi, right across, Rashi says psula, demidi demagin ba'inan dechsev, na'alau, v'na'amidi demagin. Because we're, so we're going to see that essentially, the shoe that is used has to be something that protects the foot. So if he is an, if he is an above the knee amputee, there's no semblance of a foot, and therefore there's no semblance of a shoe. Again, we'll get into all the technicalities over here. Baiter, chalza besandal she'ein shalo. I will say, let's say like this. Let's say you use for chalitza a sandal that's not yours. The Yavim's a smart guy. He knows that there's going to be saliva in his shoe. So he says to his buddy, hey, can I borrow your shoes today? Right? Can I borrow your shoes today? Right? So I'll say, well, what, what? He just conveniently doesn't tell him why. Right? So I'll say, so, so what happens? And actually, we're going to, I'm, I'm saying it jokingly because we'll see actually where, where, the, where the saliva, where the spit goes. But what happens? The Yavam happens not to be wearing his shoes that day. He borrowed shoes. So chalitza besandl shalom. You do chalitza in shoes that are not yours. O besandl shal eitz. Or a wooden sandal. Or the Yavam is wearing his left shoe on his right foot. In all of these cases, the Chalitza is good. Again, we'll see why this is. Let's say, this, let's say the Yavam is wearing a sandal that's too big for him. Too big for him. Or the right, but he's able to walk in it. Or he's wearing a very small shoe. But the small shoe nevertheless covers the majority of his foot. 
in both of these cases, chalitza sekshera. The chalitza works. Chalitza works. The Shavuot is telling you that even if you're wearing an imperfect shoe, halacha lemaisa the chalitza works. Again, we'll get into the technicalities of all of these details. Says the Rabbi, let's analyze the first part. So remember, the first thing Mishnah told me is that chalitza has to be done in the presence of a bezdin, but the bezdin could be three head yotos. Three regular people. Says the Gemara, So we'll say it's contradictory. Because after you tell me that what? That it could even be three head yotos, then why does the Mishnah say Dayonin? See, I will say, what's a Dayon? What's a Dayon, right? Dayon is a skilled professional. So if you don't need Dayonin, you just need head yotos. So why do you say Dayonin? Very interesting. says, we're going to see the Chalitza process requires that the Beisdin feed certain lines to the Yavam. So even though you don't need Dayonim per se, and you could use Hadyotos, the Hadyotos must be skilled Hadyotos. In other words, they must be capable of feeding the right lines to the Yavam. To the Yavam. So the Gemara says, Rashi says, So we'll say, there's, there are speaking parts, right? There are speaking parts for both the Yavam and the Yavama, for both the man and woman. See, even though I don't need, I don't need, as they say, you know, right? I don't need great for this. I don't need Dayanim. But they have to be skilled enough to know the Psukim and to feed the Psukim to the pertinent parties. So the Bible says a little bit more explicitly, the Mitzvah of Chalitza has to be done in the presence of three Dayanim who know how to feed the right lines to the parties. Rabbi Huda says, no, not three, five. You need five Dayanim for Chalitza. So my time with the Tanakama, so we'll say, why does the Tanakama say three? Because we'll say the Pasuk says, the Basic says that they come to the Zikanim. They come to the Zikanim. So we'll say Zikanim. So minimum of Zikanim is what? Two. Two. They ain't based in shackle, but you can't have a two person based. We never have an even numbered based in. Therefore, what? So we'll say that's the drasha. Zikanim means two. Can't have a based in of two. Therefore, again, we add on one. From here, we see that the based in for Chalitza is three people. But Rabbi Hudon Rabbi Huda says, Zikne Shnaim, Zikanim Shnaim. So I'll say, interestingly enough, the Torah uses the word Zikanim and Zikne two times. So the word Zikanim is two. Zikne is two. That gives me four. Ve'ain based in Shako, mostly from Alain Od Echad, Hare Kanhe. So I'll say, Rabbi Huda says, Zikne two. Zikanim two. That gives me four. Can't have an even number based in. And therefore, what? Add on one more. That's five. That's five. So says the Gemara, I v'tanakama, hi zikne my avidly. So both say tanakama, you darshan zikenim. What do you do with the word zikne? So both say this fascinating. We boil the rabuye afilu shloshad yotos. So both say, interesting enough, the tanakama says, zikne teaches me, it could even be your elders. Namely, you don't need tamidi chachamim. You could even use hadyotos, even regular people. I v'rabi huda hadyotos minale. Where does rabi huda learn out that you could even use regular people? Don't need dayonim. To which the Gemara nafkalei mileene. So I will say the pasuk says, the pasuk says mileene in front of their eyes. Their eyes refers to even common people. Even common people, the Amar Mar, listen to this, I will say, the Amar Mar, Le'ene, Pratlasumin, Le'ene teaches me that you can't have blind members of the basin for Chalitza. Umidi Itzri, we're going to see why, because the, the members of the basin for Chalitza have to see the Yavama spit. They have to see the spit. They have to, they have to actually see the saliva. Therefore, they can't be, they can't be Sumin. And I will say, now watch this. Shmamina Dafila Yotos. Watch this, I will say. The fact that the members of the Beisdin can't be blind, by definition, tells us that even common men, even common people, could be members of the Beisdin. Why? Listen to this. Because if you thought that you needed people who were fit to sit on a Sanhedrin, i.e. like real bona fide Dayanim, I wouldn't need a Pasuk to teach me that the members of the Beisdin can't be blind. Why? I will say, listen to this. Miditani Rav Yosef, Miditani Rav Yosef, Nafka, Miditani Rav Yosef, Kashem she Beisdin Minukim Betzedek, Kach Beisdin Minukim Mikomom. 
They both say this is fasting in the same way that the members of the Sanhedrin have to be pious and righteous individuals. They have to be spiritually complete. They also have to be physically complete. They must be totally and wholly unblemished. It's quite beautiful. The Pasuk in Shira Shiram says, You are totally beautiful, my beloved one, and there is no mum, there is no blemish in you. So I will say, this is actually quite fascinating. The idea over here is, the idea over here is, members of the Sanhedrin cannot possess any physical mum, no physical blemish. I will say, by the way, you see this concept, right? Kohanim can't possess any physical blemish for serving in the Mikdash. Members of the Sanhedrin can't possess any physical blemish. Um, um, the Melech, the king, can't possess any physical blemish. So the Sefer Achinuch brings down what's going on over here. I'll say it's a very simple thing. People, we want people to respect those in authority positions. And I will say the way people are is we look at those with physical blemishes or, or, or physical signs of disability in a different way. Let's say it's fascinating. Right? Just human nature is human nature. There's just a different level. Right? Let's say, didn't they say about, right, about, about, you know, about, yeah, whatever. They're, 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 so you have to look at people in, in leadership positions. I'm going to speak out FDR. Right? There are people, people in leadership positions have to be respected. So people with disabilities or external blemishes are looked at differently by people, just the nature of the world. So therefore, again, I will say, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. The fact that we need a drasha to say that the members of the based in for chalitza ultimately what are have to be have to have vision can't be blind indicates to us that halacha lamaisa what what they could be hediotos because if they're members of the Sanhedrin we know or regular regular dayanin we know that regular dayanin can't have any physical blemishes so so what does the other opinion do with the ene? So the Gemara says, So I will say, they use la'ene to teach me that the members of the Beisdin must be able to see the saliva come from the mouth of the Yavama. Because the Pasuk says, the ene is a and she shall spit the idach. Not even by the Rava. Ah, but the other opinion also needs it for the drush of Rava. Did she have to be able to see the saliva come out of her mouth? Enoch inami. Vela hadyotos minale. So where does he learn our hadyotos from? Nafka may be Yisrael. Yisrael called who? We learn from the, from, the, from the word Yisrael that any Yisrael is fit to go ahead and serve on a Beisdin. For Chalitza. V'idach. What does the other what does the other pain do with the Yisrael? The other pain uses Yisrael to teach me what? That I will say for Chalitza, you have to use a Beisdin made up of Jews, right? Naturally born Jews, and not a Beisdin of Gerim. There's another Yisrael that teaches me that. We're just going back and forth. I need it for another reason. We're going to come back to that basin of Gerim in just a moment. Listen to this. This is one time we were sitting before Rabbi Tarfon. We were on the basin for Yibam or for Chalitza. And they did Chalitza. And Rabbi Tarfon said, everyone has to say out loud, Beis chalutz hanal. So I will say ultimately again that we learn out from Yisrael v'idach mi v'nikra nafka. So how do I know that I have to say this out loud? We learn that out from the pasuk of v'nikra ela me'ata v'karu shnayim v'dibru shnayim ha'chenami l'rav Yehuda harikan tisha l'rabban and harikan shiva. So I will say let's take a step back for just a moment. Remember how do we start this? Machlokes shabudin l'rabbanon. Rabbanon hold that you ultimately need a basin of two. Of, sorry, of three. Right? The Pasuk says, Zikanim, that's two. Zikanim, that's two. Can't have a basin that's of equal number. Therefore, you add on one, that's three. Rabbi Huda said, it says Zikanim and Zikne, that's four. Can't have an even number, add on five. Says, here's the problem. Here's the problem. The Pasuk also says, Vikaru and Vidibru. Vikaru is also two. Dibru is also two. So we'll say that's another four. If that's the case, it should be, according to Rabbi Huda, you should need nine. Zikne two, Zikanim two, 
karutu, karutu, dibru two, that gives you what? Eight. Can't have an even number based then nine. And according to the Rabbanon, ultimately again it should give me seven. And therefore again, well, well excuse me, six. And then one more is seven. Hahumi I need that for karu dibru for something else. The karu lo, the lo shlucham. I will say what it tells me is that when we summon the Yavam to Beisdin, Beisdin themselves have to summon the Yavam and they can't send an agent. They can't send an emissary. They can't send an agent. So the Yimars, Vidibru Elav, Vidibru Elav, Melamed, Shemasin Lo Eitzel Genes. I will say, so that, that's Karu. Karu teaches me that Beisdin themselves must summon the Yavam, not their Shaliach. What is Dibru? I will say, this is incredible. Dibru teaches me that Beisdin engages in a conversation with the Yavam. What's the conversation? We give the Yavam advice. Right? We give the Yavam advice. Namely, should he do Yibam or Chalitza? Shem hayu hu yeled For example, I will say, if the Yavam was very young and the Yavama was older, or hu zaken or ultimately, again, he was old and she was very young, omrim we say to the Yavam, come on Yavam, you're an old man, she's a young woman, you're going to have nothing in common, it's not a good idea. Or, you're very young, she's very old, come on, come on, this is not a good idea. Go marry someone who's a bit more fitting for you. And don't go ahead and bring animosity into your home. I will say it would appear that Chazal did not believe in the concept of opposites attract, right? And therefore, again, Chazal felt that if we see that there's too much of a gap between this man, and I will say they're using age as an example, but it's not just age. It's not just age. If the Beisdin sees that this Shidduch is just not going to work. So I will say it's very interesting. So, you know, you might have thought, you might have thought, that any case where the Yavam and the Yavama are willing to do Yibum, that Bezdin just says, sure, go for it. You see from here, that's not the case. That when Bezdin sees that this Shidduch is not Ole Yafa, that this is just not going to be a good idea, that Bezdin actually intervenes. Now, obviously, you can't stop this man or woman from doing Yibum or Chalitza. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to do. But Lamaisa, Lamaisa, Beisdin does take a look at the quality of the Shidduch, and Beisdin will say, eh, it's really not a good idea, and therefore will give them eight Zahogenes. So now, let's go back, let's go back. How did this all start? So remember again, we have a Mishnah that says, we have a Mishnah that says, Chalitza is done in front of a Beisdin of three, and we've established do you need like a bona fide Beisdin of real Dayanim? No. What do you need? even hadyotos, even regular people, but what you need are people who are capable of feeding the correct lines to the respective parties. So I will say, now we saw Machlokas, Rabbi Huda said, no, the basin for Chalitza is five. It's five. So how do we paskin? So Halacha Chalitza Bishlosha. The halacha is that Chalitza is done with three people, basin of three. Hoyol Ustam Lan Tanakabase. Why? Because we have a Stam Mishnah. I will say, our Mishnah recorded no Machlokas. Our Mishnah just said that all you need is three. So a Stam Mishnah is considered to be authoritative. And therefore, again, we go with three. So we just, we, spoke, we started today's doubt with this. Mion is a prize. Remember again, you have a mother, father died, mother or brother, marry off the minor girl. Now what happens, I will say, because this is a rabbinic marriage, she has the right to what? Dissolve it with mere, with mere mion, um, objection, right? Obje- object, uh, refusal, thank you, refusal, right? So she has the ability to say, I don't want this marriage anymore. And if she says, if she refuses it, it dissolves the marriage. And I will say, mion also needs a Beisdin. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, that you're going to tell me that by Chalitz you only need a Beisdin of three, because there's a Stam Mishnah, so Mion should also only require a Beisdin of three. This Nan, but I'll say first white line, Kofala Famudeis, this Nan, Ha Mion va Chalitza Bishlosha, Mion and Chalitza Bishlosha, and I'll say there's another Stam Mishnah, Stam Mishnah, Vechite Mahachinami. So I'll say, yeah, Mion only requires a Beisdin of three. I Bavat, Tanya, we learned, Mion, Beishame Omrim, Beisdin Mumchin. Beishamai says, ultimately again, that Mion requires Beisdin Mumchin. 
right? A Beisdin of experts. U Beisdin Omrim, Beisdin V'Shalom, Beisdin. Beisdin says, no, Miyun could be done in Beisdin, outside of Beisdin. Elu V'Elu Modim, Shetzarech Shlosha. And both agree that you need three. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Shimon, Machshirin, B'Shnayim. They say, no, for Miyun, you could even go ahead and use two. Talacha follows this pair. In other words, namely Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef, who say that you only need two. You only need two. So Rabbi Yosef, so we see now we have an opinion that says Mir only needs two. So the Gemara says, Hasam Chad Stam. So Rabbi Yosef, point over here is that you see that just because you have a Stam Mishnah doesn't automatically always mean the Halacha follows that way. Because what's the what's the right to that? The proof to that is by Mion. Right? By Mion, you also have a Stam Mishnah, right? That says Mion is three. But then you have another opinion that says Mion only requires two. And yet we're told that Halacha follows the opinion that says two. So what's going on over here? So we'll say, so why do we automatically assume, therefore, that the Halacha is going to follow the Stam Mishnah by Chalitza? And require three. Here's the difference. Hasam chat stama bahacha trace stami. They will say by miun you only have one stam mishnah. By chalitza you have two stam mishnayos. Two stam mishnayos. Ah, two stam mishnos. Two stam mishnayos. That's strong. That's strong. To which the gemara says bahacha trace stami. Hasam nami trace stami nenu. The truth is by miun you also have two stam mishnos. This nan miyana oshechalza befanav yisaena mipneishu bebeizdin. Shabbos so said, but here the Mishnah also seems to indicate that Miyun is happening in front of a Beisdin. And the minimum of Beisdin is always what? Is always going to be three. Allah Hasam, Tresdami, Hachatlasastami. Okay, I will say, now they're just getting into a, to a numbers contest, right? By, by Chalitza, we have three Stam Mishnahs. Three Stam Mishnahs. Three Stam Mishnahs. By, by Miyun, you only have two Stam Mishnahs, okay? To which the Gemara says, I don't understand. I don't understand. See, I don't understand. The whole chap of a Stam Mishnah is that when you, have a, when you have a Mishnah without attribution, what do we assume? What do we assume? Everyone holds that way. If that's the case, what does it matter if you have one Stam, two Stam, three Stams? What does it matter? Here's the difference. Here's the difference. The concept of a stam b'makom machlokes. What do you do with the stam mishnah when I also know that there's a machlokes? This not Here we go. Smichas zikinim ve'egla arufa b'shlosha. Because here's what we have. Smichas zikinim in this case is talking about par ha'elam davra minat sibor. Right, so say Parhalam Davaminat Sibor is talking about again a, a communal offering that's brought when there was a communal mistake. So we'll say, so the smicha sekenim, egla arufa, egla arufa is the decapitated calf that's brought when you found find a dead body in between two cities. The right the, the zekenim of the closest city come along and bring and bring the egla arufa, bishlosha. Requires a basin of three. Dear Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Huda Omer, Bechamisha, you require five. Hachalitza vamiun bishlosha. Chalitza and Mion require three below Kapalag Rabbi Huda. And ultimately, again, Rabbi Huda doesn't argue. Shmamina, Hadrbe Rabbi Huda. Rabbi say, what do you see now? Rabbi say now, Rabbi Huda was on record as saying before that what? That ultimately, again, Mion requires two. Requires two. Here you see he says three. Shmamina, Hadrbe Rabbi Huda, Shmamina. See from here, Rabbi Huda retracted his position. And therefore, Rabbi say, what comes out is halacha for our purposes. Mion requires a basedin of three. That is our halacha lamais. Require a basedin of three. Ultimately, again, but they could be hediotos. They could be hediotos, right? But lamais, now, mion, we had a machlokas. But I will say, by mion, now it appears that you also require a basedin of three as well. All right, so we'll stop over here for today. Shkoyach, mazel on the siyum, mazel on the new perak. Incredible adventure continues tomorrow.